When we lose an employee to another company, I feel a mix of pride and saltiness. I'm proud that working here turns otherwise ordinary men and women into highly valuable, data-driven performance marketers. But I hate getting my employees poached. In 2018, it was time for one of our employees to step into a bigger role. After working with us for years, Chris Nolan, not the Batman director, stepped into a big role at a company with big in its name. Chris was tapped to be the cornerstone hire for the growth team at Big Commerce. We miss him, but have enjoyed seeing how a conversion scientist takes on a big organization like Big Commerce. His challenge is the same challenge that us woke marketers are facing in every industry. How do I get an entrenched culture to adopt data and testing? You might say that Chris jumped out of his lab coat and into the fire with Big Commerce as they recently redesigned their entire website. There is no bigger challenge to a growth marketer than an all-in redesign, and we talk about that on this podcast. I invited Chris to come onto the podcast to share the challenges and triumphs of a new hire nudging a culture from the bottom during a website relaunch. So buckle up. Welcome to Intended Consequences, a podcast from Conversion Sciences. I'm Brian Massey, and I believe that anyone is capable of using behavioral science to predict the success of their marketing campaigns. Marketing magic is real, and I'll teach you how to harness it. The goal of the website redesign was not just to redesign the website, as I think we all often see. You know, it wasn't that the company desire to refresh and took away, you know, valuable resources from the company for three to six months. Chris is the senior growth strategy manager at Big Commerce. Businesses build their e-commerce websites on Big Commerce technology. Chris started this marketing journey because he had a passion for human behavior. That's one of the reasons we hired him. This episode is jam-packed as he walks us through agency relationships differentiating mobile from desktop sites, and how to think market first to get the right site experience for your next redesign. I think that as a consultant, you have been hired because there is value in what you do as a consultant, right? Your agency has proven itself to be credible enough for a large company to hire you. Coming in, you have at least one internal advocate Right, but you don't have the same credibility as an agency with a ton of experience, a ton of different marketers, a development team, a design function. Right, you you have you, mm-hmm. and and your job is to educate and and really show value quickly as that new internal growth arm, growth mm-hmm. function. Mm-hmm. So I think step one was putting together some really pretty powerpoints and utilizing things like Crazy Egg. And things like optimizely spying tools and things like, you know, quick, good eventing in Google Analytics to show, okay, this call to action is being clicked on. This many users are scrolling to that point of the page. These are the things that we're testing and our competitors are testing. Here's where we are in comparison to that. Here's where we have room to grow. Mm -hmm. And showing that, hey, removing the navigation on this mobile landing page was a 45% lift, right? It's not always coming in and redesigning, ironically enough, <laughs> the website, it's it's being thoughtful about what low-hanging fruit can I quickly 
move towards and show value within mm-hmm. so that this company understands, okay, even a small arm that's focused on testing, not for the sake of testing, but for the sake of, of conversion lift is, is more valuable than I think, you know, we would have understood otherwise. A couple of points I want to unpack because the folks listening are probably in that space where they get it. They get They drink the Mm Kool-Aid and now they're up against how do I start to spread this out? So you mentioned a couple things. Number one, we have, when we first engage with the client, we have this magical meeting where we we're really just showing the first things that we're learning from analytics and, and, and looking at the site, but we're able to pull heat map reports and things like this. And I think this is a great place to start. So I'm a little bit curious, was there, Frustration levels. Yeah. Were there ever times where in a meeting or in an email that you found yourself kind of overextend, uh, over pushing it, where it was so clear to you, but it just wasn't clear to somebody else? Yeah. Um, I can think through a particular experience where we had uh, executive leadership, who I, I'm sure would look back fondly on this as well, who were adamantly opposed to mobile acquisition efforts. Oh, really? We believed that because our product was not world-class mobile, not mobile-friendly, but not world-class mobile. that it hadn't evolved yet on the mobile side. Exactly. That sending mobile users into our product was not the right strategy. And that was based on the trial-to-paid conversion rate mm-hmm. for mobile users, right? And so what we did previous to my joining was we actually walled the mobile experience, where mobile users who would start a trial would go to a page that said, thank you for starting a trial with Big Commerce. We highly recommend that you use your desktop. Check your email for your login details. Screen hopper, right? Screen hopper. It didn't sit well with me. We spent so much money on mobile acquisition. We had 40% of our users on our site. Again, quick Google Analytics report can tell you this. Yeah. That 40% of our mobile users or our users were mobile that, you know, around 25% of our trials were mobile. We, We can't drop that part of the business. Right. And so trying to make that point required more data than I think I pulled in my entirety of my time here at Conversion Science. No kidding. I had to, I put a hot jar survey on the, the thank you page to ask those users, you know, are you interested in utilizing this product on the device you're on? And we saw that overwhelmingly mobile users were like, yes, I want I started a trial on this phone for a reason. I'd like to play with the product now. Right. We added what we called a hole in the wall or a button that said, you know, would you like to log in right now, right? And there were friction points there because we had sent their password and username over to an email Mm -hmm. where maybe they had forgotten it quickly, right? We didn't auto log them into the product as is best practice. So we saw that there was a lot of click-through rate, but very low login rate. And so we actually ran a test where we just removed the wall. And all we looked at was interaction and product, right? We thought that that paid conversion was a little bit lofty that the attribution back to just allowing mobile users to get into that experience would probably be a difficult test compared to not allowing them in at all. So we just looked at engagement with the product after day one, okay. how many of those users were coming back and how many were engaging on the first day. After all of that, <laughs> I was able to convince seeing statistically significant increase in engagement from removing the wall after the survey, after adding the hole in the wall, we now have a mobile friendly product. But that took three to six months of bi-weekly presentations to leadership, showing them where we were at with the data, showing them our next steps, how we're measuring this, what teams we're working with, how design is involved, how the web team is thinking through long-term implementation. It was a really frustrating process, but it's one of those ones where you got to pat yourself on the back at the yeah, end of it. Yeah. Oh, you know, because 
now now we have a bit of momentum on the product side in thinking, okay, now that we have mobile users, are we building mobile first? Right? We know that these users are coming in. We have data to suggest that trends, you know, across the board show that mobile users are going to become more and more prominent. Mm-hmm. Right? We got to have something. And now we have this, you know, cowboy guy over here testing his way into showing the company this internally. I guess, you know, we should probably think at least mobile second or mobile at all. Mobile right. different. Mobile different. Is the way we, we talk about it. So I like that. to the cowboy. <laughs> and uh, anyone who's on this podcast is going to relate because we all have, we're probably over 50%, high 40s, 50%, if not 60% mobile visitors. Mm-hmm. And the conversion rates are, you know, they're, they're, tank, they're, they're a third, a quarter of desktop conversion rates. So it tends to make us go, well, let's just keep focusing on desktop, first of all, because that's where we're familiar. Mm-hmm. But it just kind of seems hopeless, and and so this mobile different approach, mobile different approach means that you evolve the mobile site, really separate from the desktop. You have a completely set of, you might even have different calls to actions, different KPIs on mm-hmm. mobile, even though both sites are selling the same product. Yeah, phone absolutely. calls come to mind. Yeah, um, click to call on mobile. Yeah, so uh, somebody out there uh, who is trying to get more attention on mobile. Are there any resources or anything that you would recommend? You kind of came in because this is one of the things we preach when, when mm-hmm. we work with clients. Any guidance in terms of kind of getting them started? I would think as you're testing, if you're not testing across devices or if you're not testing differently across devices, at least be measuring very thoughtfully across devices. Oftentimes, you know, one of your first tests, if it's a call to action, if it's a hero image, if it's if it's a button color, right? Any of the easy tests that are are the ones you always start out with, oftentimes it's going to affect mobile differently. And be comfortable with the experience for mobile being different as a function of that test result. You know, oftentimes, especially designers, they don't like that. Mm-mm. You know, they're they're like we have we have brand cohesiveness that we care about. We we want experiences across devices to be the same, and and it's a challenge. And sometimes it's a compromise, but it's it's the data that you show. Yeah. Where you say, okay, you know, we made this change and we saw, I can think of forms as, as one of the number one things here, right? Make a change to a form, see a 50% less than desktop. And you realized, you know, way too late that you pushed the CTA below the fold on mobile. And now all of a sudden, you know, you've got a 25% decrease in mobile, depending on your traffic composition, that could be a neutral result. But if you look device specific, there's tons to take away from that. And, and the, the lift at a, at a you know, long-term post-implementation level that you could be missing is is just something you can't walk away from as a marketer. Uh, eventually, everyone will get used to, you know, they know they're looking at a desktop hypothesis or a mobile hypothesis, and they'll only look at that traffic. And it's fairly easy to set that up in Google Analytics. Mm-hmm. Now, Big Commerce just did a site redesign. It's a responsive template. Uh, talk a little bit about what the goals were and what some of the, uh, what some of the challenges were with that. And, um, I'm also curious to drill down a little bit on this mobile question of how they're differentiating their mobile site from their desktop site, or is it too early for that? hundred percent. No, I mean, I can, I can speak to that. So first things first, the goal of, of the website redesign was not just to redesign the website, as I think we all often see, you know, it wasn't that the company desired a refresh and took away you know, valuable resources from the company for three to six months just new to focus on comes that. In, exactly, that's the first thing they want to do. We need we need new hotness, right? And um, everybody gets excited because those are the big dollar, but you know, big budget dollar, of course, projects. Yeah, but 
and, and you know, everyone's waiting. Everyone's waiting on the impact of those redesigns. So, so what we did was we, we thought market first. We realized that as a company trying to move up market, our, our site that kind of catered to all parties and didn't specialize on one was not the right site experience for where we're trying to go up market, right? We had trial calls to action that were right next to demo calls to action that were right next to sales contacts. So we got a lot of, you know, very small fish wasting our sales resources. We got a lot of folks who would click get started without realizing that the the global call to action was a trial mm-hmm. when they were on an enterprise level page, right? So we, we conglomerated a lot of this data, saw what, what I would call like inadvertent click overload, where we looked at abandonment rates from the CTAs that were discordant on pages. So we looked at the get started versus the mid-market or the started trial versus the mid-market and mm-hmm. saw that on pages where content was specific to a particular segment, those clicks that were ambiguous or global or, you know, kind of just more catch-all elements had much, much higher abandonment rates post-click. And so if you visit our site, what, what you can see is is we've moved our core big commerce brand up market and, and big commerce now speaks to the enterprise user. So our main calls to action are things like explore the product with a product tour, right? Read this piece of content, request a demo, much more top of funnel than go play with our product and kick the tires, right? And I imagine you had some pushback on that. Yes. <laughs> Because 99% of our business is small business, you know, not at revenue, but at volume. 99% of our users are small biz users. And, and we make our money, a lot of it, on small biz. And so to tell our small biz team, which I report into, mm-hmm. <laughs> we're moving away from this, was, was hard. And what we had to do was show that you know, this is affecting organic and direct users substantially more than it's affecting our paid acquisition. Right. We have, I think, as many of you probably have, landing page ecosystems that are separate from our core site. Right. These are these are kind of one and dones, if you will. We we are looking for a particular call to action. The page is built around that call to action. Very little navigation, very conversion friendly, bottom of the funnel. And that's 75% of our leads come through that. Right. Mm-hmm. That's that's why we pay upwards of eight hundred thousand dollars a month. And so what in we, terms of uh, spend? Ad spend. Ooh, okay. Yeah, it's plenty. And what we what we did was we showed leadership that's not going to be affected, right? We do have a few users who will click on the homepage logo and, you know, they'll explore and, and they're the savvier users who clicked on an ad just to go to the homepage ultimately. But what I think was so important was, okay, if we do even drastically affect small biz revenue from that other 25%, what does that look like on aggregate, right? And we saw that the, the risk profile was just impossible to argue with, right? If, if we get more of these mid-market leads that convert to 4x revenue of small biz leads, right? And we lose 5% of our small biz leads and we increase our mid-market leads by 40%. The, the ROI on that was just very difficult for anyone to scoff at. Yeah, and I think this is an argument that you have to make over and over again, which is in order for us to maximize our revenue on this segment, we have to walk away from another segment. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of marketing management is not comfortable with that. You guys went big with the new site. So um, I will have a link to Big Commerce in the show notes, but there is enterprise and essentials tabs right at the top of the page. Uh, I know that this is not the only business that is dealing with this because uh, we have several clients that are also dealing with. So 
Talk about some of the hypotheses you had. The site was just launched uh, in December? In February. In February. Mid-February. Wow. Yeah. Uh, some of the hypotheses you have around getting the right people onto the right the right chunk of the site, the right side of the site. Yeah. So uh, first things first, we did something that I, I think a lot of companies don't necessarily have the luxury to do, but that I would highly recommend. We, we did our market research thoroughly. So we hired a price intelligently report. I don't know if you've heard about those guys. Mm -mm. They're just a third party reporting service that aggregates essentially your ideal merchant segment across, you know, whatever dimensions you'd like to look at. So across competing platforms, across industries, across use cases, B2B, B2C, all of that. What does that give you? Does it give you a segmentation based on uh, how much they're willing to spend? It gives you segmentation based on what their value propositions are. Oh, okay. So are they looking for ease of use? Are they looking for scalability, flexibility, security, right? Are they looking for data infrastructure? Are they looking for the ability to integrate with their existing tech stack, right? Gotcha. And, and all it did was output essentially what our users or our target users are looking to engage with. Right. And you can see that reflected in our information architecture. So that's where we started. We said the distribution of use cases and in industries really does play a big role in what you know these users need and what kind of content they want to consume. So we built our content strategy around that. Mm -hmm. And then we we said, okay, services and just a, a feature overview are critical for these users to understand. It's top of mind questions. They're looking for the customers that you represent, right? You got to have that social proof credibility. Even mm -hmm. the big fish need that. And then we actually had our CEO come in and say, I demand that that's in the information architecture because that's the first thing that I look at when I go to a competitor site. And we also realized that things like, you know, content resources are, are crucial. And, and one of the things that I think a lot of, you know, even internally our marketers realize is how much of an impact these partners and these agencies and these references make on these bigger fishes decision, right? They're looking for someone to say, I've done this. I've migrated a large catalog from Magento to big commerce. And here's why I recommend it. And here's how we can help you do it. Mm -hmm. Right. So we knew that partners needed to play a role. So it was very, very value proposition driven. And then from that, we thought which content would support these value propositions and what are the right calls to action bottom of funnel that are going to allow users to explore this in a way that's a little more sales focused, right? Okay. So things like solutions experts, things like demo requests, things like contact sales as you know a pretty easy, ambiguous CTA, things like request pricing. These, these are the things that we thought would allow those users who would consume the content they needed to consume, whether in session or across sessions, to talk to the right people, get in front of the right salespeople and, and, and have a conversation where they can be more informed. Well, and on the essential side, you want more of a self-service sort of a thing. Exactly. You don't want them calling and, and we want being the exact very opposite. expensive because they're, you know, small store, one or two products, that sort of thing. It's they're still valuable point. customers, yes. but you want them to self-serve on the enterprise side. You want them to talk to a salesperson because that's how they're going to make the, uh, the the best presentation and make sure that they're charging the right price. So it's a, it's a great call out. I mean, if you had to, if you had to split it down the middle, we want enterprise users to, to read the content that's going to convince them to raise their hand, right? And on small biz, we want all of the content to push to the value of starting a trial today, right? Now, on the mobile side, it would seem that, uh, you know, we might favor small business, people who are coming on their handhelds. But in our experience, that's not usually a good assumption. What did you guys do on the mobile side? Do you still have this bifurcated setup or we do. Do you prefer one or the other? We we send all users to the enterprise home across devices, but 
what we're using this initial month or so for is to understand how those users are going to behave differently on mobile, right? We know that things like carousels, things like multiple calls to action above the fold probably are not as suitable for mobile users as they are for desktop users, right? So we're really looking to understand kind of, especially on our homepage, how is the behavior differing, right? How is content being consumed? What are the typical first steps, navigation paths? You know, we have similar structure, but you can only fit so much on the top of a mobile screen. So we had to make compromises. And what we're trying to understand is, you know, are we affecting merchants and prospects in the same way mm -hmm. across these devices, right? We have a ton of merchants who come to our homepage just to log in. We don't want to, we don't want those mobile users who are checking their business on a Saturday morning to not be able to log into the product. Right. Right. So there's a lot of things to take into consideration, but we're really using this first as kind of an exploratory and understanding, you know, are we seeing the the trial conversion rates that we expect to see on mobile? Are we depressing that in any way, right? Meaningfully different from desktop. And then is it the right move to, you know, have users requesting a demo? Is it the right move to have users taking a product tour on mobile, right? When they might not have the same kind of robust experience as they would on desktop. And if you're watching, you know, if you're expecting a quick return on your click, mm -hmm. you're expecting that product tour immediately. Users might not be inclined to do that on, on a mobile device. They might rather get a link that says, here, come back, watch this, you know, whenever you feel free, we have an on-demand version for you. So thinking through kind of that sophistication at a device level. But again, I mean, this is all to be determined. What are... Um... What hypotheses are you most excited about testing? I mean, there's there's tons. We we launched with four separate tests that are all exclusive of each other in a way that we're not influencing the data in a negative way. I'm Do really not let your tests overlap. Never. <laughs> there are ways to get around it. We're testing content first and foremost. I think you know we we have a lot of our marketing invested in in content development. And, and that's where we see ourselves going as a thought leader in the space, right? And, and acquiring users through good, compelling content, not through talk to our salespeople. Not everyone wants to raise their hand. A lot of people are looking for a particular solution to their particular problem. Mm -hmm. And they want to see that you have that solution that you've thought it through. So first things first, we have a, a large test going on to just understand which content is, is influencing users in the right way, right? And, and how does that content drive downstream and are these in the form of lead magnets or are you looking at how people are converting when they come in on a certain blog article? We're, we're looking at, you know, always a blog conversion, but, but more kind of this homepage view, right? Okay. And, and in the more interior pages, if we are pushing content, which we are pretty, you know, comprehensively, is it the right content for that user, right? We have, we have a lot of choices with content and we have a lot of historical content, but we're also trying to inform our content strategy moving forward. So it all goes back to those value props. If you know security is important to these enterprise users, we know that. That's why we have a PCI compliance guide as one of our first calls to action. We want to understand if that's the right one. Are they looking for more of like how does you know e-commerce security look in 2019? Are they looking for an overview competitively? Are they looking for a feature differentiation within big commerce? And, mm -hmm. and thinking through how that influences the content strategy. Now, I'm not a content marketer, right? But what I can do is say this is how many people clicked on it. This is how many people downloaded it. And of those people who downloaded it, the 70 came back and ultimately raised their hand, right? And, and for the content marketers who I work with, that's that's been absolutely invaluable because they are producing content based on market understanding. They're producing content based on what they hear. And, and for someone to come back and say, hey, your hypothesis was correct, or hey, this isn't meeting the need of the merchant the way that you thought it was. 
it's it's really nice for them to not invest too much in similar assets if, if they can pivot and say, okay, now we have these other value propositions we haven't tried out content with, right? Yeah. Like yeah. how do we move down that path? Do you, do you get any pushback when we're working with the internal team? Because it sounds like it's mostly internal uh, when you're requesting multiple versions of things or, you know, you're bringing data back to them and saying, you know, I've got some data that shows that while I love your design, it's not serving me. Talk about that and how you get those people uh, on your side when initially it just feels like all you're doing is showing them data that, that, <laughs> that refutes their their experience. That's a that's a really good call out. It's been it's been challenging. I, I think it takes you know mutual respect for their craft. I think a lot of designers that I've met with, a lot of the, the really good designers want that data. You know, our creative director is, is huge. That's been that my data. experience as well. Yeah, but they have, you know, they have their outputs. They're, they're looking to crank stuff out and mm-hmm. they have their brand guidelines. They have their templates. And so what, what I've really tried to do and, and what luckily our SEM and paid social and affiliate managers push really well is let's test this template that I've relied on design for only, you know, one, one output of this. Let's see if this template works better than this template, right? And then let's iterate within that template. So what that allows you know designers to do is say, okay, now I have a template to work in. I can build you four assets. I can, you know, as a copywriter, I can build you three headlines. I can build you four logo walls, right? We can look at different testimonials from you know more compelling merchants. And then when that template runs dry, you say, okay, can we test another template? <laughs> so right? it's it's you know we can get on our high horse with our data and our charts and stuff and. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can be saying like, that's a dumb idea. Look, I've got absolute statistical significant proof. Yep. When the truth is we've really got to understand um, what's going on. Championing change in an organization is a long journey, but the victories come all along the way. So when you get back to the office, do something to take care of yourself. Prepare yourself for the journey. Book a massage. Put a meditation session on your calendar. Invite a close friend to your favorite restaurant. Or get a jog or a workout in. These are scientifically proven ways to make ourselves better marketers, just like all the other things we talk about here. So, go take care of yourselves, scientists.